flushing. Out. Oh. Criminal. Element. What Gru does to barbarians, they do to intergalactic private detectives. Sleaze Brothers. By John Carnell and Andy Lanning. Monthly from Marvel. Listener to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. I am Rick. And I am Jerry. You've got to vote for random banter. It's a shame, but it's got to be done. Random banter time, my friends. Talk to me. Tell me some tales. Be they real, be they fake. No, not I, but tell me things. <laughs> Any idea what that random banter intro is from? I do not know. It might be something that somebody said. It might be somebody said, but I know that this is coming out around the right time of voting. I, I, I am not sure what that's from, though. All right, I'm going to show you the cover of our comic book, and somebody may have said that who is on the cover of this comic. Uh, so it's got to be something Whoopi. It's it's got to be something Whoopi Goldberg said, but I'm not sure where it's from. It is. It's a Whoopi Goldberg quote. Okay. If you look up Whoopi Goldberg quotes on the Intertrons, that one comes up, and so, I said so, I like so, it. So this isn't from a movie. It sounds like it might be from the View. Probably yeah. is from the View. <laughs> Probably is from the View. Yes. It's something she had said. It's something I figured that's... this one might be a tough one, but I thought the clue of it's something somebody on the cover of this book said might give it away. That was easy. I was just trying to connect it to some, you know, crazy <laughs> little. I was trying to do more with it than just a random whoopee quote. But thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. We'll say this first. We're recording this in early October and releasing this after the election in November. You know, that being said, we don't know what will happen or has happened, but I'd like to say that no matter what the outcome, just be sure to always protect yourself mentally and physically, check in on your friends and family, and always remember to breathe, especially when you're dealing with Jeff as a co-host. That being said, I would like to introduce that other strange voice you've been hearing. That is Jerry McMullen from the worst comic podcast ever. Jerry, our second guest from the worst comic podcast ever. How are you doing, sir? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's always dangerous when we let Colin lead because we don't always get invited back for a second appearance. So <laughs> technically he was our he was a first and second appearance on that side because <laughs> Nobody, except for me, recorded that day. (laughs) And as I recall, that was like one of the least favorite reads from the Power Pack read. That was a cursed, that's what we call a cursed recording (laughs) uh, from top to bottom. I wasn't going to blame it on Colin, but you've known him longer. You've known him like nearly since birth. Mm -hmm. That's my story in my head, at least. So I'm going to go ahead and leave you to say that, uh, you know, it's Colin's fault. All signs point to him. (laughs) That's what my magic eight ball said too. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I should point out too that that for me at least, even though we have done one other recording together mm-hmm. or a few other recordings together, I have never met you in person. Where I've met your other two co-hosts because Colin does live in town, and yeah. John came by at least once since I've known Colin, and I've met him in person. I cannot wait for this COVID thing to be over so I can meet you somewhere. Absolutely. John got to go out there last summer and he, Colin took him on like a 
Portland comic book road trip, going to as many stores as they could do in one day, and then ended up at the Nerd Out, and I guess a bunch of you guys got together. So I was insanely jealous of everything going on. I have been out to Portland twice for Rose City. So it's been a couple of years. I definitely need to get back and and see everyone out there. Rose City is a great show. You guys are insanely lucky to have that in your back doors there. We we are. We are. But, I, I mean, we have talked about Worst Comics Podcast ever on the show. Mm-hmm. Colin gave a very nice description of it the last time he was on the show. But So we won't talk about that. But I know that you were jealous of him being on the show because you're actually the Power Pack fan, whereas he mm-hmm. is just kind of enjoys our show. Yes, I was reading this from issue one in 1985 Mm -hmm. when it first came out. And I was openly mocked by my now co-hosts of the worst comic podcast ever for reading Power Pack because it was deemed a kiddie book. Yep. And I I know you guys have heard that and I know you've been dealing with it and I say embrace it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a solid, fun read. So I read the first three years of Power Pack. I, I collected up through issue 36, and I only stopped at that point just because I was cutting out a lot of stuff during the college years. So yep. Not an uncommon uh, occurrence with people. Yeah, yeah. So in preparation for this podcast, I, I went out to my comic shop and placed an order and complete happenstance i figured i should read the issue before and the issue after so i kind of get figure out where where they're coming in at and where they're going to next and it turns out i pretty much got the complete story we're reading the middle part yeah. of the story tonight yeah you, so. you picked up the arc yeah this is the arc that was a very good call i should have probably given you that instruction going out into it (laughs) but i'm kind of glad you did because that gave you a little bit more context of this and i do have a good power pack creator encounter story tell 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 it was like early 1990s and the simonsons were at a show here in kansas city And I took in a couple of copies of various books for them to sign. I had taken in Power Pack number one. And Wheezy commented that it had been years since she'd seen it, and she didn't even know if she had any in her collection anymore. And to me, that sounds like a challenge. So Uh I went down onto the show floor, hit like the 25, 50-cent boxes, found five copies for like less than five dollars took them up gave them to her here you've got something you can keep sign and give away whatever but you should have copies of this book you really should it's Very funny though too nice. where you're like you're like i'm gonna hook you up with a bunch of first first edition first yeah. issue number ones <laughs> now keep in mind this has cost me under a dollar five so uh <laughs> No, very nice. That is very sweet. And knowing, having some conversations with her and hearing stories Mm -hmm. about her, she must have been extremely appreciative of that. Yes. And I did meet June Brigman once at a show in St. Louis and just was delighted to speak with her. So we we interviewed her for the podcast 2015, 2016. So just a a brief uh, interview on the show floor with her. I have nothing but great feelings about the people who have written this book. We've talked to a lot of them. They have been so very wonderful, so mm-hmm. nice to us, and they just seem, from everything we've talked about of people about them, they are literally the nicest people. <laughs> literally, because they write. Uh, mm-hmm. The nicest people that you would ever meet 
in the comics community and they are just genuinely good good people which is yeah. which is great yeah going back to that earlier point about you know this is a kid's book as adults we're going back through and reading these books these are not kids books and we no. have really discovered that yes they're about kids and maybe you might think ah oh, maybe that's a little childish we're talking you know capes and tights we are talking people who you know do silly things say yeah. silly things the adventures these kids get in it there is nothing that they do that other superheroes haven't done. They are as powerful. They've, they've shown that they've got the same metal. They have to deal with other things that are much, much more difficult. And I think it's a real testament that there have been, that this book has stood up a good test of time. Mm -hmm. Not everything is perfect, <laughs> but there are some good, good stories in these books. It does hold up. Yeah. They are good. They're well-written. Mm -hmm. And the people that love them really, really love them. So with that being said, I think we should just dive on into this book and talk about it. Jeff, can you please give us a two cents replay from last episode? It's time to interrupt a vacation of dying in your sleep and preventing slash causing ecological disasters because Kofi has come for the power children to save Friday's life force by taking a trip to the mechanical Chimelian homeworld where they will be arrested, disrupt a funeral, be forced to fight another superhero team, and constantly be disappointed by what they thought were magical space horses, but turn out to simply be disappointing space horses. And if that isn't enough for you, we also have the return of the exiled snark queen Mother Maraud, who takes a five-fingered discount on a planetary killing machine that she uses to destroy a planet that the Chimelian homeworld is locked in orbit with as a way of getting their attention. Now that the, oh yeah, the kids did say Friday, who joined them and Kofi to run away from homeworld because it turned out to be a real stinker bush, two sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. During the COVID times, I have brought over to my somewhat absent-minded co-host, Jeff, the beers that he should be drinking for the show. Now, he does a really good job of keeping the refrigerator all wrapped up in the nice paper bags that I've given him, but sometimes he forgets to bring them down in time for us to do the recording, and so I have to kind of stall, stall, until he comes back with the beer. So now that he has finally returned with the beer in the paper bag, I'm going to ask him to remove it from said paper bag and show us what we've got for our pick of the week. Let's see what we have here. We've got a 12-ounce can of... Whoopity whoop! Hefeweizen <laughs> with lemon peel. It's a wild ride brew from <laughs> Redmond, Oregon. <laughs> it's a beautiful can. This was a no-brainer. This, yeah, was, this an was an absolute yeah. no-brainer. <laughs> I know. It's because um, whoopity whoop. Why would we pick this one for this issue? They have a fun party time. They have a, like a, a, an enjoyable sleepover. They love lemons. They peel out of Chimelia. <laughs> they wonder wheat they were doing there in the first place <laughs> it might have something to do with the fact that Whoopi goldberg is on the front cover of this book and is guest starring this book as a celestial we will get to that and in her honor in her honor whoopity whoop it this just walking by it stop put on the brakes back up grab that we're done <laughs> <laughs> as we're opening this and, and pouring this jerry what are you bringing to the show uh, I have a local craft cider from Dave and Danny. It's a, a local Kansas business based out of Manhattan, Kansas, home to Kansas State University. And I am 
thoroughly enjoying this tonight. I I actually stocked up on a lot as we're recording this. There's a vice presidential debate, and I may need some help getting through that later. So, <laughs> cheers to that. Yeah. We're still recovering from the last debate. <laughs> Well, we have here a nice Hefeweizen, and it is yeah. hazy, hazy, hazy. Oh, my goodness. things that are it, floating inside that it. That is chunky. Chunky hazy. That is unfiltered in the extreme. That has, that's part of a piece of uh, bread that's been left <laughs> in a uh, beer and swirled around is what that is. That, that could be right. This is a good chewing beer. That is a Hefeweizen. You can smell the wheat. Oh, yeah. You can smell that, that little lemon that's in there. Yep. It is a classic, classic Hefeweizen. And we should I should say, too, that uh, Wild Ride Brew, I mostly know them just for their uh, Nutcrusher peanut butter stout that I enjoy immensely. So I, I like some of the stuff that they put out, but I'll be interested in checking this out. With their Nutcrusher, I'm always disappointed in it every time that I have it because I'm like, yeah, I really like that. And then I have it, I'm like, oh, no, it's not this one that I like. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's not yeah, the it's best good. that's around, but It's yeah. very passable. I didn't talk about the, the can on this. It's a nice blue sky can, and it has uh, the yellow wheat coming up from the bottom, and there's a nice sun that is actually a lemon slice, and it, you know, it has whoopity whoop and yellow in it, and story time on it is government warning, blah, 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 drink <laughs> in excess during political times, is what uh, it says. Yeah. And with a 5.5 ABV, eh, not too bad. It, it's very colorful from what I'm seeing here. It it kind of reminds me like a some kind of like state lottery ticket. Yeah, you would, <laughs> very much so. It's a scratch. You would scratch it. It scratch is very off. much a scratch. It you would scratch yeah. off each letter of the whoopity whoop mm-hmm. and see if you won three dollars or fifty two thousand or <laughs> nothing. And that's the sound you would make. Whoopity whoop! I got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whoopity whoop! Wheat is an America Hefeweizen created and brewed to help you get through the ups and downs of any wild ride. Huh. Yeah, the late addition of lemon peel during fermentation gives this traditional wheat beer a pleasant citrus aroma with a slight tart finish. Enjoy this refreshing beer. I'm agreeing with this. I'm getting that lemon peel. I'm getting the the very wheat. It, there is no other way to say this except that it is a Hefeweizen. If you've had a Hefeweizen before, this is it. Yep. It's pleasant. It's very, it's got a crisp Hefeweizen flavor to it. It, it feels and tastes very summery. The lemon peel in it always combines really well with a Hef. It is, uh, I love Widmere's Hefeweizen and I used to always load it up with lemon, lemon pieces and kind of smash them in there, mull them a little bit. And this is a mild version of this, of yeah. that. It is, yeah. it's just, it's, it's quite pleasant. It's very good. This is a very drinkable beer. Yeah. This, there's no acid taste on here. There's no burn that you're going to be getting. It nope. is just a clean, clear, crisp beer. Good flavor. Nice body. I, I, this, there's not much to say on this. This is just a pleasant drink. So I think we should go ahead and move on down the run. Well, unless there's anything else you want to say about your uh, cider, sir. Yeah. We need to hear about that. Um, I don't know. It's I mean, a cider's <laughs> a cider. Well, Apple, cherry, pear, peach, apricot. You know, there's lots of yeah. different flavored ciders yeah. out there. It is an apple. The wrapper on the bottle, apple. A better way to get an apple a day. Better yet, why not four? Doctor's orders. <laughs> hmm. All right. I like it. It's healthy. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. oftentimes eat my uh, apples by the six pack. <laughs> Sometimes you need to. Sometimes like you a, need to. That's like a half rack of apples, please. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and get into the opening credits. Jeff. Power Pack, issue number 51, December 1989. The Numinous. Credits. Writer, John Bogdanov. Special guest artist, Gray Morrow. Letterer, 
Jade Mode. Colorist, Glennis Oliver. Editor, Carl Potts. Editor-in-Chief, Tom DeFalco. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. Destroyer. Disintegration, Power Balls. Julie Power, a.k.a. Molecula, Mistress of Density. Clouds, Bubbles. Jack Power, a.k.a. Counterweight. Gravity, Punches. Katie Power, a.k.a. Starstreak. Flight, Rainbows. Franklin Richards, a.k.a. Tattletale. Dreams, Precognition. Kofi, Chameleon. Teleporter, Disappointment. Guest starring Queen Maraud, deposed snark queen who hates Power Pack, and the Chameleons, a race of horse-like beings. Previously on Power Pack. Speaking of that herd, they are failing at tracking their missing smart ship, but they are picking up some really big, big readings. Some huge ship has just entered proximity, and they're transmitting a communication. Greetings, Haskins. Mirad, dispossessed queen mother of Snarkworld, in exile for treason. What do you want of us? Funny you should ask. Boom! And we are in the thick of it, with Queen Mirad giving orders to her Snark underlings, following their galactic matic doomsday machine attack on the planet behind the chameleon artificial homeworld. She is pleased that her battered enemies are still alive, and so she taunts them a second time. Now listen up, you space horsies. If you can hear me, I want you to understand something. I rather relish the thought of killing you all now, but I'm willing to let you live provided you fulfill my conditions promptly and cheerfully. Do you copy, Chimelia? Not unlike a surfer riding a wave of destruction, the chameleons are henning the worst ten of their lives. The damage done to their giant space home is extensive and has left them nearly powerless. In fact, they have completely lost the ability to go back to the future. Come again? How or why or even what are you talking about? One of the chameleons states that some capacitors are not fluxing. If that is not a call out to the flux capacitor, I will eat Queen Maraud's hat. That's a lot of hat. There are a few other interesting choices being made during this emergency, especially by one of the technocrats. Okay, okay, okay. Put the population management on red alert. 50% off on all commercial goods. High attraction specials on Hollywood and issue the, the, the proper crisis reports regularly to downplay the situation and keep everyone in track. I want this thing trivialized now. But this is a ridiculous way to handle an emergency, right? I mean, name one other instance that this kind of chicanery has been used to distract an otherwise supposedly intelligent and observant society. What, like sending out cadet cops to stand in public spaces and declare that all is well, as the walls are buckling and gravity is flipping on and off? Okay, sure, that's one example, but I bet you can't name a second example. Well, what about when uh, Frank Drebin told a mass of onlookers watching a fireworks factory explode after a man riding a flaming missile crashed into it, saying, there is nothing to see here. Okay, sure, 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 fine, but there is no other or the time that... Okay, enough. Look, things happened and choices were made. Maybe the best choice this technocrat could think to make at the time. I will agree that it was a choice, but I will stand by fixing the time circuits as a way to solve this problem. Moving on. 
One thing that does work is the Zoom chat between Murad and Byral. The Queen is happy to talk to this old goat and lay out her grand plan. I'd hate for you to miss an old enemy's triumph. In fact, I want you to participate. Give me the secret of the Chimelian power transfer. Okay, gonna stop right there. Yeah, 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 me too. Um, Listen, I've looked through this book and it appears that queen maraud brings her soapbox to nearly every page and is not ashamed to orate her demands at length but i like doing her voice it makes my throat all scratchy and painful we really really should try to summarize her demands basically she wants power packs powers power over her people power over the chameleons power over the universe Power, power, power. Bummer for her, but the key to all of this is the power to safely transfer chameleon powers to her. But the knowledge seems to have been lost with the death of the last of that great chameleon sorcerer's alefire white mane. And who's responsible for his death? The one person that had the information that she now seeks? Why, none other than Queen Maraud herself. Whoopsie. You kind of messed up there, QM. Facts, Max. Not her problem. Look, she's a simple lady. She wants one simple thing. Power! And she has a simple solution for her being denied. Destruction! Make it happen, or your race is destroyed. Come on! The good news for the chameleons is that because the queen likes to orate at length, the besieged leaders can whisper plan their defense. The technocrat has himself an idea. If Byrell can keep her from destroying them, that is, they are going to send in Force 4, their greatest team of super horses, to deal with this problem. Um, heroes. That should say heroes in the script. I stand by my statement. Heroes or horses aside, Byral keeps the queen talking while the mission proceeds. I mean, like, keeping the queen talking so they can trick her is really that hard. Murad, if you will stay your wrath, I will convene the Council of Ancients. Perhaps the information you seek can be reconstructed. This had better not be a trick, you doddering fool. As we have said, yes, it is a trick. And yes, she fell for it. Meanwhile, in a secret stealth mission... Home of the hero horses who have had humbling and humiliating hardships handed to them by non-horse heroes. Force 4 flies forward fast. The fabulous and fantastical foals fitting from frozen fields of flotsam forward for their foe's frightening, forbidable fortress. Fantastic. And while our guest unties his tongue from that alliteration, let's explain that about half of the team are spending this flight complaining that they have a second-rate smart ship because Power Pack took the best smart ship in the fleet. First off, not cool. I mean, you are relying on this ship and you are criticizing it. That is just dumb. Second, Power Pack did not steal the ship. It chose to leave, a point that Ghostmare and Thunderhoof recognize as being revolutionary and important. My question is, why are they not focused on this mission? They know it probably will lead to their deaths. No time to pander that now, because meanwhile in the bestest smart ship in the galaxy... Home of the fugitives from Chimelia. Power Pack have no clue of the drama mama and destruction that is happening in their rearview mirror. They have more important things to think about. Well... Katie and Franklin don't, because they are asleep and being tucked into bed. And Jack is complaining about the quality of the food that Friday is providing. Yuck! Yuck! Friday, can't you ever make anything to eat other than this blue stuff? Black! Barf! Yuck! Friday responds that this is all she was programmed to make. But you know what? Now that she has claimed her independence and decided to write her own programs, maybe she can figure something out. 
great. How about pizza? Double cheese with pepperoni, onions, anchovies, and... Ew, ew. Gross. How can you talk about pizza after all we've been through? It's pizza, Julie. How can you not talk about it? Food fights aside, Kofi, Julie, and Alex are still coming to terms with the chameleons not being better than sliced bread. Jeff and I discussed this last issue. Power Pack really thought they were all magical space horses, which, granted, they still are. Uh, but there are more complexities than that. Take Kofi's father as an example. Kofi loves him, but his father is so much a part of the screwed-up world that made him that Kofi realizes he is incapable of ever being the person he needs him to be. The deep navel-gazing is interrupted by an electrical storm in space and a sudden stop to their forward momentum. Friday is trapped in some kind of energy shield. The kids gather up and put on some spacesuits to go outside and figure out what is up. Kofi teleports all six of them into space and they start trying to extricate Friday by whatever means necessary. Alex tries absorbing the energy, hoping that it will weaken the force field so that they can break free. Nope, didn't work. That's right. However, this did happen. Wow, this energy. Never felt anything like it. What a rush. Oh no, Alex. You're doing it again, bro. You're absorbing too much. Stop. The field's not weakening at all. And you're gonna pop. Snap out of it, bro. Fire a powerball. Quick. Uh, shoot at the force field. Break it up. That doesn't work either, but at least we got to see a return of Energy Junkie Alex again. Haven't seen that in, like, two issues. Lucky for him, though, he showed a modicum of decorum with it this time. Up next, Jack tries degrabbing the ship. Nope, no joy. What if we try the combo flavor this was setting up? Good idea. Jack grabs onto Friday while Katie grabs onto him, giving her an anchor point to try and tow them out of the force field. They seem to think that it is working, but then Franklin has a realization. Holy cow, Kofi, we gotta tell him this isn't a force field. There's someone here. Someone big. Who could it be? Yeah, who? Only way to find out is to turn the page. It's, it's... Bionic Commando by Capcom. Experience bionic power. Get set for wait, rapid fire wait, action wait, as you... Wait, wait, wait. What are you doing? Re revealing who it was. Uh, I did what you said. I turned the page and did the big reveal. Jeff, you do know what an ad page is, right? Yes. And you know that the page you read was an ad page, right? Yes. Do you want us to just move on and forget this ever happened? Yes. We turn the page and find that Friday and Power Pack have been trapped in the energy field of giant celestial Space, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. I can tell that this is a lot for you both to take in. So let's take a brain break from this Brobdignagian baffler and see what exciting stealth action is going on Marad's doomsday machine. Good call. Sneaky sneaky time has begun on the USS We Will Rock You. The heroic herd has slipped on their non-squeaky shoes and have phased into the Queen's floating weapon. I find it fascinating that team leader is requiring them to use their code names because it is a covert mission. Question, are they afraid of personal retribution from the snarks who are trying to destroy their whole planet? Is that what's going on here? Maybe. Or, hear me out, hear me out. He really, really wants to be just like Alex in Power Pack. What he is, is incompetent. 
After chastising his teammates and calling attention to his action, he completely bones a sneak attack on a robot guard. His plan was to quietly disable it with a neutralizer ray gun that he created from his tech suit. But here was the end result. Squee! And thus causing the robot to loudly alert the nearby organic guards. Thankfully, he brought teammates with actual talent, something I personally do not know anything about. Hmm. Firemane melts a trail of molten lava through a group of robots, while Thunderhoof pounds and thuds the brain pans of some lizardmen variant snark soldiers. Pound. Thud. Kitty Pride phases through a robot while Team Leader struggles with his dance partner. Um, Ghost Mare. Not Kitty Pride. Huh. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you're right. The team successfully pushes through and... Crash. Enter the bridge with style. That style being Kool-Aid man-based. Murad is ready, and she sends her soldiers and robots and insults against the four Chromelians, and a scuffle ensues. Force four! Chimelia's elite commandos! So, Byrell tried to trick me after all, stalling for time while sending in a sneak attack. Well, he knew the rules. Chimelia dies now! As the melee and the monologue mounts, Team Leader has been assembling a weapon quickly. He may have been too hasty, though, because he misses Maraud and hits the triggering panel of the Doomsday Machine. Shrez! This luckily saved the day, at least for the time being. You know, broken watch, twice a day, whatever. Maraud says she has more than one trigger and heads out of the room, heading towards an auxiliary control. Team Leader has memorized the ship's layout and commands Ghost Mare to follow him to cut her off. She hesitates. Using her mind powers, she senses that... It's a trap! Thank you, Admiral Akbar. Yes, Team Leader mocks the mayor and quips that he does not believe in her telepathic powers, and he is the leader. So he leads her into... A trap? Yes, a trap. While he is patting himself on the back, he is also successfully adjusting the controls of the ship to send it hurtling into the sun. Queen Maraud has doubled back to the bridge with a big old gun, and she takes out all the combatants, including her own soldiers. Meanwhile, Team Leader continues to be a jerk, ignoring Ghostmare's warnings about what has just happened on the bridge, and then he triggers a trap which electrocutes the last two members of Force 4 and blows up the room they are in. Bazaka-boom! We will close this section by saying that Maraud is laughing like a maniac because she is. Meanwhile, back in the hands of Guinan, home of the, uh, Whoopi Goldbergs. Are you a god? Good question, Katie. And the answer is yes and no. She admits that she is a cosmic entity, but she is also pretty chill. She tells them all to relax so she can talk. We should point out that John wrote this character, Numinous, as Whoopi Goldberg, so it is hard not to read her speech pattern as Whoopi. It is automatic. The kids are not in on this bit of metatextual context, but they are getting a breakdown of what they are talking to. Numinous introduces herself and explains that she is the living embodiment of an abstract construct. Think about Sandman being the embodiment of dreams, or Father Time being the embodiment of change, or Jeff being the embodiment of insomnia and exhaustion. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. I was with you on the first two, but the third? It happens. We'll give him a moment. Uh, in Numinous's case, she is the embodiment of mid to late 80s urban comedy with a mixed critical reception combined with successful portrayals as intelligent, capable, and witty black women. While being very specific, I think in this instance, she is the stand-in for Miracles of Fate. 
She is the ultimate deus ex machina. She finds a disaster that is about to happen and pushes things around in order to make things better. If it is karmatically appropriate, that is. Sounds like Jumping Jack Flash to me. <laughs> it's gas, gas, gas. Huh? Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Uh, Jerry is right. Numinous gives examples of how she gently nudges people or events to prevent disasters and thereby causing more important things to occur. She also admits that while her way is normally subtle, she is now confronted with a situation that needs to be dealt with now. Back on Carmelia. Power Pack thinks that she must be joking. They just left that wretched hive of scum and villainy. They are nobody's fool and have zero interest in going back. What kind of comedy relief is this? The cosmic entity agrees that they were treated very poorly by that herd, but they should not give up hope. There is good in them. They have just lost their way because instead of living on a natural planet, they have been living in a big space mall. But right now they are on a path of destruction and they may turn into ghosts if the pack does not get back and teach them the error of their ways. Basically, they have lost sight of their inner child and need these children of Earth to show them how to reconnect with that part of their souls that made them magical. Are Power Pack going to go back and help Alefire's people or not? Let's face it, if Ghostbusters has taught us nothing else, when you are asked a question by a powerful being, you should always answer yes! Come on, Ray! And while the husky-voiced embodiment of good fortune is explaining it in nice terms, she is setting them on a mission that they cannot refuse. As she leaves, she drops the entirely unsubtle hint that they should get there sooner than later because of, well, they will find out when they get there. But with that ominous warning, she bye-byes out in a flash of cosmic light, leaving a pack of power packs pondering their plight and planning the probable path they should pursue. Back on the good ship destructs a lot, Maraud has trussed up Force 4 and is waiting for her targeting system to be repaired. She is wicked excited to show the chameleons that their heroes have been captured, and then she intends to have an evil cackle before blowing their homeworld up. Yep, things are looking up for the old killer queen. Until she is informed that they are under attack from a smart ship. I mean, really? What is a despot to do? She had one little request and she keeps getting bothered by people who don't want her to have all of this power. Wow. So unfair. Be that as it may, she sends out a fleet of robot red shirts to deal with the disturbance. Unbeknownst to her, but beknownst to us, that mystery ship is Friday and she and Power Pack are here to do some mighty mousing. As the new and improved Friday starts to rip apart the attacking not-TIE fighters flying out of the That's-Not-A-Moon battle station over the planetary remains of Not-Alderaan, the kids in the ship analyze the situation and discover that it is Maraud and the Snarks attacking the space stable. After laying out the exposition of what they missed from the last issue, Friday starts to boast about how little these attack drones challenge her. Her shields make her impervious to her enemy's phasers, and her upgraded speed, maneuverability, and firepower make them far outclassed. It is at this point, of course, that Friday does take a hit from a fighter that rams her. Smoke is pouring and systems are failing, and Friday admits that she will need to sit down and do some repairs. Fortunately, she has taken out enough of the enemy's ships that she just lands in an open bay on Maraud's Kill Rock. Once there, she directs Kofi to teleport the team further into the ship and start to enact their, and I quote, plan. This is news to the kids who have not thought up any plans yet. 
Luckily, they have an experienced teleporter who will move the pack, minus Frank, into a strategically appropriate location to launch a sneak attack. The strategically appropriate location turns out to be a, a snark bathroom, which is being used and is full of what I will tenderly call the big stinks. Guys, um, I am a Power Pack fan and have been since the book came out. I have wanted to come on your show for a while, but it did it. Did it have to be the episode with the snark bathroom? I mean, why me? Rick informed me that you were part of something called the WCPE, and I thought it stood for Water Closet Professional Evaluators. I honestly thought that your podcast reviewed and discussed the best and worst bathrooms in the galaxy of comics. Wait, I did too. I don't know if I should be offended or intrigued by this concept. The correct answer is that, yes, you should be. But I think there is room to explore in the middle. Speaking of exploring, that is something that the kids do not want to be doing in this room, and an all-out Donnybrook ensues, with much punching and much fighting. One of the combatants manages to escape and push his way into the bridge as Maraud is having the door replaced. Why is she having her door replaced? It is all about the presentation with her. Why take over the universe if you cannot do it in style? And what about this poor snark that made it onto the bridge in time to issue the warning? Knock, knock. Open up the door, it's real! Crash! He takes the newly replaced door to the back of the head as the pack makes an entrance. Superheroes coming through! Now you may be expecting a massive showdown smackdown with the queen and her nemeses. Nemesis. Nemesises. Ah, eh, whatever. But you would be massively mistaken. Murad makes a very smart play and warns the children that if they advance, she will throw a switch that will destroy the chameleon planet. The kids surrender immediately, faster than the French, and allow themselves to be shackled with power dampers. It was all a ruse. The switch was never connected, and now the queen has captured both teams of heroes. She subjects everyone to a long diatribe about her plans. You may groan, but one pleasure of my revenge I will not forfeit is the privilege to gloat openly on my schemes while you, my enemies, are held a captive audience to all I have to say. Nope, 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 stop. The narrator spares us this speech, and I am sparing our audience the speech. The upshot of all of this is that she wants powers, powers, and the chameleons she set to the task are worthless and have not told her how. But she does have her hated enemy's power pack in hand, and her war machine about to become operational again. So those are pluses. Another plus is that power pack is going to get to watch her destroy Earth after she destroys their space horse buddy's homeworld. But why not a violence appetizer to really get those juices flowing? So she starts to smack Kofi for fun because she can. And like we said, because it's fun. Maraud, stop. We know the secret, but it'll never work if you kill Kofi. Interesting. This is a new twist. Apparently, Julie has been thinking about this and has a theory about how the power switch can work. But she's going to hang it all on the condition that Kofi must not die. Julie's thought is that Power Pack has just to will their powers to Maraud. Like how Whitey willed his power to them. That's it. It works for how they activated their healing powers. It should work for this, right? Sure, why not? But prior to conducting this experiment, Julie has some demands. Maraud must A, release Kofi and Force 4 and allow them to go home. B, move the Galactic Matic away from Camellia and promise not to ever attack 
them or earth c let power pack go after the transfer and d she has to forever swear off enrolling in karaoke competitions she is really bad and everybody has been too scared to tell her so Murad agrees to all of the demands, well, except for D, because you cannot stop her Broadway dreams. She also is lying about agreeing to B and C because of, because of course she is. She plans to pretend to go along with all of this and still attack Chimelia. But hey, Kofi and Force 4 get to get away, so that's a win, right? Power Pack also knows that she is lying, but they are hoping that Force 4 will be able to do something after the escape. Or maybe their powers will burn out the queen like they burned out Jackal despite of how they are transferred. Or maybe. Or maybe. Or maybe. That is a lot of maybes. But it is the only chance they have. And with the death machine moved far away from Camellia and Force 4 allowed to leave with Kofi and the knowledge that Power Pack may have sacrificed themselves for them and Camellia, it is time for a power exchange. The kids all hold hands with Maraud. She gives them a last warning about no tricks. <laughs> She's one to talk. Yeah, yeah, let's get it over with. Light and energy flow towards the queen, and she begins to transform. Bigger, darker, fiercer, until she crackles with energy. It's working! No pain! None of the damage that killed Jackal! Only power! At last it is mine! Oh, you can dance, you can jive, having the time of your life! Oh, see that girl! Watch that scene, digging the dancing queen! Oh god, couldn't we get her to agree to choice D? Next issue, the kids lose their powers and Camellia is destroyed. Be here for the bitter end. Do, do, do. do. Themes of the issue. Ah. All right. Uh, congratulations. You made it through our script. Huzzah. For that lovely honor, you get to help us describe this wonderful cover as we get into the power pack packaging that is drawn by Bog and Barda. Go ahead, Jerry. Tell us about this cover. Well, we see Space Whoopi Goldberg standing in like this Galactus gold suit, and she's got Power Pack in literally in the palm of her hand, looking down on the kids. And we get the we get the message at the bottom: the coming of Numinous. And we should also mention that uh, Whoopi Goldberg is a uh, purple. That she is. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe reflecting her terrific work in the movie The Color Purple. Yes, yes, good call, good call. <laughs> this is a very striking cover. I, I'm not sure if it's good, I'm not sure if it's bad. It's just very, very memorable. Planning to do this reread, this was one thing that stuck in my head. It's like, huh, eventually we're going to get around to talking about the issue with Whoopi Goldberg. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, we made it. We made it. <laughs> yeah, what do you guys think about this cover? What do you think about this? I, I, first you know, kind of impressions on it. You know, Whoopi Goldberg in this book. Huh. Well, uh, she doesn't fully match her appearance inside the book where her costume is uh, blue and white with a little bit of gold trim and in which she is also not purple, but but her natural skin tone. So it's close enough. It shows that uh, there is a great celestial being that has taken the form which they would understand lest their puny earthen minds melt under the might of her majestic <laughs> space majesty 
How about you there, Jerry? What's your thoughts on this? <laughs> I must say, if if at this point when this came out, if I had seen it on the comic book stands, I would have picked it up immediately. <laughs> just, <laughs> just to figure out what Whoopi Goldberg is doing with Power Pack in space. This, it, it, it boggles the mind. I, I mean, at this point, there weren't a lot of cameo appearances like that as, so prominently like this yeah i mean this yeah there there's no mistaking who they are trying yeah. <laughs> to draw into this book no. no it is funny if you saw this up on a rack spinner rack or up on a shelf or something you'd walk by it and you'd stop and back up and go huh and you literally would instinctively reach for it just to see what's going on yeah yeah and and at this point in time you know i was I was in, I was probably in middle school about this time. So I had seen a few Whoopi Goldberg films. Uh, Questioning maybe if I was the right appropriate age for some of them or not. But for the most part, you know, this is pre-Sister Act and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jumping Jack Flash, Burglar, those kinds of movies. Probably had seen a lot of those films. And so I knew who this was. You know, this isn't a surprise for me. But I can't remember my initial thought at the time. Just like... Okay, this is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what I was expecting. Yeah. Inside, hmm. if we were to go inside this book, though, and keep talking about Whoopi, who is she in here? She is numinous. She is the most dos ex machina of all dos ex machinas that we have ever machinas with the doses. Yeah, she's kind of brought in as a character who is a celestial embodiment of good fortune and lucky happenstance. So she is coming in to just say, hey, you guys need to come over here so this thing can happen. Why is she here? (laughs) (laughs) It is to get Power Pack to go back to Chimelia and teach them of their natural ways and childish hearts. With clear eyes and childish, childlike hearts, they will uh, reassess themselves and get away from the technological world that they have grown into and get back into the natural environment, which okay. will. Okay. Th- thank, yeah. thank you very, thank you, thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, now, from uh, I'll ask our guest with a more uh, reasoned approach. <laughs> uh, I, I really feel like John wrote himself into a corner and didn't realize it. And it's like, all right, how do I get myself out of this? And Whoopi Goldberg happened to be on television at that moment. And he's like, Whoopi will save the kids. Whoopi will get me out of this situation. Whoopi will tell the kids to go back and deal with Maraud. I I think that you're right. I think that he wanted to have them meet some kind of... I, I think there there has to be something in here that he wanted them to to meet some kind of celestial being. He decided to use the, the visage of of Whoopi Goldberg. Unfortunately, especially with ha- having the conversation with him earlier, I think that he wanted to put Whoopi into this role, and I think that he expanded it out and had to explain it out a bit further, and the book suffered for that. I, I that's kind of my feeling because. As we get to the end of the book, it feels really rushed. It's like all of a sudden they didn't have enough time for the pages that they had. One thing to keep in mind about this issue is that Power Pack is actually only in it about half of the issue. Yes. Yeah. And, a, and a lot of that is including 
uh, them just appearing in a panel, like listening to somebody talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of that where it's like Power Pack is just like, hey, we've left Chimelia. We're going to go back home. We'll figure stuff out. Kofi, hey, cool. You get to travel with us. We're part of the family now. You'll live with Friday. Uh, we'll figure things out. Yeah. The whole time I was reading this, it really felt like this was the least Power Packery issue of Power Pack. Yes. Yeah. Because it, it was dealing with, oh, what's going on on Camellia? What's going on on the Doomsday I, Machine? I what's going say, on with Force 4? I what's, would say you know? it's 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 mostly has to do with the Doomsday Machine. It, they were only on Camellia for two panels, three panels, just near the beginning. The rest of the mm-hmm. time that they're in the smart ship, the rest of it is either you're inside the Doomsday Machine or you're talking to Whoopi Goldberg. Yep. That's and about it. When they're talking with Whoopi, it is a lot of listening to Whoopi. Yes, yeah. So it's if anything, I would say that this is a Maraud book. Yeah, very, mm-hmm. uh, a lot more so. It is yeah. uh, kind of a, a Force Four. Yeah, Maraud, then Force Four, then Power, uh, power Pack, pack and Wh- Wh- Space Whoopi balancing yeah. out for, la- for with, last. With place. special guest stars, Power Pack. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. So I, I think that there is a definite pacing problem with this book, I, and I'm not sure what exactly happened there or or what's going on. We did talk about the book prior to this, and you read the book. You, mm-hmm. you haven't listened to our episode yet, but we did talk about the prior book. Is It's really three books in one. It is a thick, thick tome. There is a lot in it. That could have easily been split up into three really nice-sized books. And if you cut out some of the stuff in this one, this would have been a really, this would have filled out that third book mm-hmm. leading into the fourth one. And I think it would have been, you would have solved some of the pacing problems with this book because I, I they had too much of other stuff in here. Whoopi Goldberg's an interesting character, but they didn't need her. It could have just been an SOS signal that, that Friday picks up saying, hey, they need help back there. And Power Pack having a, you know what? They treated us horribly, but we're still Power Pack. This is still, we still have a connection to these people. Mm -hmm. We're going to go back and help them. That was it. You could have done that in a panel or two, half a page. You didn't need this person. So I I think that there's a real pacing issue. No, I was just going to say, for this to really have value, I would think that you would need need to have seen Whoopi Goldberg appear earlier in the series or later in the series. Hmm. Because at this point, she's obviously just a way to turn the, turn the story back to where to get the kids where they need to go. I like that. I like that idea of, of possibly having this seeded into a few of the earlier issues, random issues, you know, five or 10 down the line with uh, John Bogdanoff, where they just kind of pass somebody who looks a little bit like Whoopi Goldberg in the street and like something happens and she kind of exactly. you know, pushes somebody through another closing door. I like that idea. That could have made this a little bit more impactful. Jeff, what are you going to say? I think John just really wanted to uh, draw Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to. I think he was kind of, I think he wanted to take a little bit of a hiatus from Power Pack, and possibly there may have been uh, some contract disputes going on with the Power Kids with Marvel at this time. I'm not sure. Where they were like renegotiating. It's like, what? Katie's all like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How much is Jack making? They're, they were looking, Jack they're... is, wait a minute, hold on, what about Kofi? Seriously? Okay, we have got to renegotiate, and and so they were like, we we will we'll be in uh, twelve pages of this issue, and they're like, okay. So John had to work around that. No, this was a backdoor pilot for the Force Four comic. <laughs> I think that's really what it boiled down to. Yeah, yeah. yeah was, this, this, this is this I think you're right. This is like this is like uh, sixth season of Highlander kind of thing where they keep on. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to try this person to do the next move, the next 
I yes, I just dropped a Highlander TV show reference. Yes, you did. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Speaking of drawing, though, except for the cover, Bog did not get to draw no. Whoopi. No, this Gray was Morrow actually, did. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is Gray Morrow, and he was a guest artist on this one. We've got a couple of guest stars coming up. I am not all that familiar about him, so I did a little my own like looking. He was a really legendary artist that was known for Tarzan, Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, the illustrator Roger Zelazny. Um, he's also really known for the co-artist and co-creator of Man-Thing. So I was not really that knowledgeable about him. But Jerry, you've got some knowledge about him, correct? I remember reading a lot of like horror books from the 70s with his work included in them. And he's got... It's odd to see him do a comic like this because he's got a very realistic style with his other art that I've seen. And this feels so not Gray Morrow. I mean, this, I, if I was looking at this, I would be impressed with it, but I would not have guessed that it was Gray Morrow doing this issue. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm kind of hot and cold on the art style in this issue. I think that some of the middle part of the book, especially where Numinous is doing her explanation of her powers, I think there's some real good art Mm -hmm. in those pages. But I think that early on, some of the art with Power Pack, not being artists ourselves, but from what I've heard, it's incredibly difficult to draw good, good kids, especially good superhero kids. But the art with the kids and even the art with the chameleons and the snarks, it's just off. It's not quite right. And while, you know, yeah, each artist got their own style, it just it's very inconsistent and not as clean as I, I've been coming to expect. Yeah, I, I just wonder what, what that phone call was when Carl Potts reached out to to Gray Mara. Hey, we really need an artist to fill in. Uh, it's Power Pack. Kids, you'll have fun drawing it. And it's going to be like 75% aliens and horses. And you got to do a drop in a Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I think hey you know what maybe this was actually his demand <laughs> to get in there he's like I'll do it but I want to draw Whoopi Goldberg and they're like where where are you going to fit her in and and he goes I'll find a place what do you think Jeff what, what's your thoughts on this yeah I, I go back and forth on the art as well it it's kind of like softer detailing than I think I'm used to in a power pack issue just because it's like, oh, okay, yeah, kind of like, you know, there's good backgrounds and stuff, but there's also kind of a lot of like, and it's a background throw a color and some lines on it kind of thing. I'm not sure if he had seen Snarks before, because <laughs> it is very much of a like mutant lizard man, crocodile head kind of bipedal Snarks in the Snark colorations, you know, green skin and kind of the, you know, crimsony costuming it's just a wide variety where it's like yeah okay i know they're snarks but they're not classic snarks they're not our grasshopper legged lizard kind of things so and yet he's still got the opportunity to draw more of snarks than we would have liked to have seen with them in the bathroom so there is that (laughs) bonus i think i I have a theory on that with the bathrooms with john putting those in there is that since when he was on monohegan island and he lived in a place that didn't have plumbing i think that he's very fixated on places having plumbing he's all like oh gotta have a bathroom (laughs) possibly possibly it also answers some very interesting questions that i've never wanted to ask about snarks and and bathrooms. Yeah, they're so, very uh, like 1950s, uh, <laughs> you know, water clo- English water closet bathrooms. It's kind of funny. The only other thing I wanted to talk about is just like I said, it's a little bit of back to the pacing problem, but a little bit of the disappointing 
conclusion of this, you know, Power Pack has brought down Maraud numerous times. They have, they know the keys to taking her down. They are experts with their powers. They have come onto the ship and trounced their way through to the main cabin. They seem to just fold faster than a $2 suit. I mean, it is amazing how quickly they just fall to, mm-hmm. to Maraud. And it, it just seems very disappointing. You know, when I was rereading this last night and, and looking ahead to the questions that we're going to answer later on, I, I didn't like power pack in this issue. There there's, <laughs> there's, they, they don't always act like kids. They don't talk like kids. It, it never really felt like power pack. And for them to just basically surrender and not go down fighting, this just felt wrong on so many levels yeah they do kind of cover it in the issue though where uh Murad is all like haha if you move then i'm going to destroy the planet and then it says they pause like oh what should we do and that was like haha you paused long enough for us to get n- nullifier cuffs on you now we can talk and do yeah it's for story it's just, yeah, yeah it's, it was for story it's for story, it was, it's for story. Yeah. it just doesn't fit with the characters i think yeah although a thing that i did love about that though when they cuffed all the kids Every kid got cuffed in the front except for Jack, who got cuffed in back, because they know that he needs to have the extra cuffage on him. Well, yeah. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Yep. They they know this about him because they have read, amazingly enough, the Snarks have read a lot of books on Power Pack. That, that is a thing that Snarks <laughs> can do. Speaking of which, I have a library card for this issue. Mm. I decided to go ahead and take a look and see what books are out there that Whoopi Goldberg might have written and i found one and i actually sent away for it and got in the mail and i thought it was kind of interesting now this book i will say this book did come out in 1992 so this is after her appearance here in the book but this is called alice by Whoopi goldberg and it is a children's book 1992 children's book with illustrations by john rocco the illustrations in this book are quite just fabulous John Rocco uh, did some illustrations he's kind of gone on to do more more impressive things but I will say that it is quite an uh, interesting book to read through. This book is the story of Alice, a young girl who wants to be rich, and her two friends, Robin, who wears a funny top hat and an oversized coat, and Sal, an invisible rabbit that only two of them can see. So as you guys can tell right now, this is already a very heavy allusion to Alice in Wonderland. It's not hidden at all. Alice compulsively enters sweepstakes, and this is something that she wants to do. Her entire goal in life is to become rich, and the only way she can think about doing this is to enter sweepstakes. Eventually, she gets a letter saying that she has won. Her two friends and her travel to New York to claim the prize and have a lot of adventures as they run into other analogs from Alice in Wonderland, all of whom want Alice's sweepstakes ticket. Spoiler warning. The sweepstakes are nothing more than a kind of a Glen Gary, Glen Ross situation where the people are brought in to buy swampland in Florida. It's an entire scam, folks. That's all it is. That's all sweepstakes are. Let nobody tell you any differently. But not all is bad because... Going through all of these wonderful adventures, Alice realizes that, you know what? She's already rich with the quality of the friends that she's got, because these two friends have accompanied her on this adventure into New York, and that's all it's about, folks. All in all, you know what? This is a cool story. This is really fun little story. Like I said, it's a nice little kid's book. It's not all pictures. It's it's uh, mostly text, but there are some really beautifully illustrated uh, works of art in here as well. It's really not unlike 
reading this book with Whoopi Goldberg talking, it's really hard to read the narration of this book without hearing Whoopi's voice. The way she has written the prose in here, it is in her style of talking, and you just can hear the beat and style. And I think that just kind of makes it clever and fun. So I know this is probably going to be a very difficult book for people to find, but it's called Alice. It's by Whoopi Goldberg, 1992. If you get lucky and find this at your local library, do so. It's kind of an enjoyable book to read with kids. My daughter grabbed this first as soon as I unwrapped it, and she uh, she gave me the actual rundown of the book before I even had a chance to read it. So. One place that Alice and her two friends did not go was to any kind of science lab. Thank God, because they might have run into Jeff. <laughs> and that brings us over to Science Corner. The Galactomatic in this and the previous issue powers itself by destroying matter and then absorbing the energy from it. Now this got me thinking. That is what we do with food. So how do our bodies turn food into energy? Our bodies digest the food we eat by mixing it with acids and enzymes in the stomach. When the stomach digests foods, the carbohydrates, also known as sugars and starches, in the food breaks down into another type of sugar called glucose. The stomach and small intestines absorb the glucose and then release it into the bloodstream. Once in the bloodstream, glucose can be used immediately for energy or stored in our bodies to be used for later. And that is this week's Science Corner. And that, of course, brings us to everybody's favorite part of our episode. No, not the end, but to Power Thoughts. And specifically, but I really like the outtakes. Aww. <laughs> which will go in the outtakes. And specifically, the Refrigerator Gallery, which is our first section. Jerry, welcome to Refrigerator Gallery. What piece of artwork in this book needs to be on our family refrigerator? And we always start with our funny, funny backup ones. So do you have a funny backup one that you would like to share with us? It's got to be the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Page page 25, teleporting into the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, that that, that was my top funny one. Uh, And I knew that we were going to probably have some kind of duplication on that because it had to be. I didn't pick that one on purpose because I knew that it would be popular. <laughs> yeah, we've we've talked about this a lot, but is there anything that you want to specifically bring up about this? Just <laughs> It's a turlet. Yeah. <laughs> now make make certain that I'm on the right right thinking here. They land on the ship the would-be Death Star. Yes. Okay. Which Maraud bought stole from the arms dealer in the previous issue this is correct and i think i see where you're going with this but go on well so this is kind of like a generic bathroom it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily it was not necessarily built for snarks in mind sure uh so -hmm. they're making the best they can with what they have hence the messes on the floor ding 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 Ding, ding, ding. Yep. I I was going to just go, I was going to say that that is just poor plumbing because that's a recently installed bathroom that the Snarks installed once they stole the ship saying, Uh, uh, we need to retrofit this for us. But you know what? I like your retcon better. No, (laughs) this is the best they can do. And don't step in that puddle, folks. Don't step in it. (laughs) All right, Jeff, what is your backup funny one, sir? My joke backup one is on page nine, and I call it Oklahoma! (laughs) Because it is in the bottom left-hand panel, and this is when Jack has grabbed himself to Friday, and they're caught in the force field, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, and Katie is grabbing him by the back of his spacesuit and giving him a tug to try and 
tow the ship out of the way, but it really looks like a the most powerful wedgie of rainbow proportions ever. That's not a wedgie, my friend. That would be a Melvin. But yes, That's I see what you're Melvin. saying. <laughs> Oklahoma! I think I'm going to barf. <laughs> How about you, Rick? What's your uh, backup funny fun? Mine is actually all the way back on page 26, the one after the uh, toilet one. We're just going to go ahead and call this one, and this is at the bottom panel of this page, and we're going to go ahead and call this one... You remember that scene in Star Wars where the stormtrooper gets it in the head? That's what we got going on here. Power Pack comes busting through a newly repaired door and just takes out a snark by pounding him on the head with it. And I'm sorry, I'm always going to laugh at a good yeah. pratfall. Yeah. <laughs> so that is mine. We've already talked about page 25, my best funny one. But Jerry, what is your best funny one? I really like on page one, Queen Maraud's statement. Funny you should ask. And the place blows up. It just, yeah. it, it's a nice one-two punch there. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Boom. Huh? 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 Oh, I blew up everybody who uh, would have laughed. <laughs> Is this not a good knock-knock joke? Knock-knock. Who's there? Funny you should ask. Ma- Boom. Made me laugh. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> nice one. She's like, she's like, you'd laugh if you were still alive. If you, you'd get it if you if you survived that. You'd, you'd get it. You'd get it. You'd they, get it. They laughed. They laughed. <laughs> what about yours, Jeff? What is your top one? My top funny is on page eleven, and I call it. Why that's just a giant Whoopi Goldberg in space. Yeah, yeah, that that would be another steal for me. That was my top one. Thank you very much. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's only good if we steal from Rick. (laughs) Ruining his day makes my day better. This is true. This is true. (laughs) You sound like everybody I know. I know. It's so sad (laughs) and so great. We're all on the same page. Get Rick. Now, uh, this is, speaking of the same page, this is a splash page, and this is the introduction of Numinous. And it is just Little Friday in a corner with littler power pack people standing on Friday, and the energy field is triumphant, and so is giant space Whoopi Goldberg. And it just makes me laugh, because it's like, huh, the giant Whoopi Goldberg in space. So... And it's got that curb, What's she doing here? It's got that Kirby crackle effect all around uh-huh. her. It does. Yeah. Which, yeah, which it is just mega leads Kirby. into the whole Galactus Yeah, the, 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 whole yep. celestial, the whole Celestials and stuff. But, huh, you don't see that every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do not. No, no, you just don't. Well, <laughs> wow, I, this is just taking all the wind out of my sail. So I'm going to go ahead and just... I'm going to say what my backup best one is before you guys steal it from me. And this is going to be on... Page 22. Mine's on page 22, too. I call it Steal It From Rick. Dang it, you. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) This actually could have been a good funny one as well. But I I chose this one just because it kept catching my eye. And this is the picture in the middle of the page, the panel in the middle of the page, where you got all five kids and Kofi staring up at space. And I just call this, what just happened? The look (laughs) of just absolute confusion of... So, that was Whoopi Goldberg telling us that uh, we needed to go to do some cosmic nonsense, and she just disappeared. Huh. <laughs> Let's take a minute. We, we need a moment. We just need a moment, folks. We 
we are too young for this kind of <laughs> craziness. So, yeah, I, I just call that what just happened. What, uh, what, what about you, Jerry? You got a backup great one that you want to talk about? I, I think we've covered most of everything. <laughs> I, I feel bad that it, maybe I came ill-prepared or whatever, but I'd, I, we've hit a lot of them here. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. There's a lot of stuff that's in this, and and we we've kind of hit some of the, the higher ones. But if mm-hmm. if you got nothing else, that's yeah. perfectly fine. Jeff, you got anything else you want to talk about? Yes, I do. I have got my uh, backup best one, which all right. is on page 31. So the final page, and it is the final panel, and I call it Maraud Transformed. And this is after she has been granted the power's powers, and she's gloating about how it's working, and there's no pain, there's no damage, nothing like what happened to her her son Jackal, just power. And it is, it's a panel that I like. It has got the internal glow, it's got the underlighting, it's got shading, it's got energy flames flying off the back of this big lizard queen. It just, I think it just looks really cool. It's got Maraud sticking her tongue out at you. Maraud sticking her tongue out. She got her big old spiky teeth. She's just, she looks, she looks very powerful and threatening there. She looks, she looks like she's gotten everything that she's wanted. Are you trying to say that this queen looks fabulous? She does. Okay. She Uh, looks like a killer queen. All right. What is your top best one then, sir? My top best one is on page 19. It is the top panel, and I call it Friday in the Shadows. And this is after they've got Numinous is holding on to Power Pack in her outstretched right hand, and she's talking to him and saying, oh, Kitty, hey, there's I'm both God and not, and everybody's got good, and there's all sorts of stuff going on. So you can just relax, and we'll just talk about Cosmic Entity. But over on the very bottom left-hand part of the panel, and it's really easy to miss, and I think I may have not seen it before, is... A very in shadows Friday. It's just a silhouette, except it's not just blacked out shadows. It's like cross hashed out. So it is very, it blends into the background really well. And I'm like, that's just cool. First of all, giant space whoopee. Awesome. Kids look great. Starfield behind looks really nice. But it's just that, just that stealth. Friday smart ship just looks amazing to me. So I really that, like that this. is a that is a good one. I I will be honest, I missed that. I yeah. did not mm-hmm. see that before. That is that is very, very mm-hmm. cool. And that's why we do this, to bring to light things that people may have missed. Well, I think you're just trying to call me a dummy for missing it the first time. Well, if the idiot hat fits. Well, that sounds like rubber and glue moment to me. <laughs> What's the best or most childish insult that we can throw at each other or that we can find in this book? Let's start with our backup one. And once again, I'm going to go ahead first before you guys steal mine. So I'm going to go ahead and start on page two. And this is, again, this kind of follows something we talked uh, about last time. But I went ahead and do another great Maraud one where she says, fleshy mammals. She calls mm-hmm. somebody fleshy mammals. If you fleshy mammals aren't paying attention, I could try another demonstration. <laughs> I, once again, I need to I need to start incorporating this into my daily conversations with yeah. people. Fleshy mammals, mm-hmm. hair skins. Yeah. So, hey, uh, that's accurate. <laughs> so, um, Mr. Hairskin Jerry, uh, what is your uh, backup funny one? Our backup uh, rubber glue moment? <laughs> I, I gotta be honest, and um, I apologize, guys. I don't have any rubber and glue. First, first, first of all, I I thought it was specifically dealing with the kids. So, oh, okay. so, and given how little that they're actually involved in this issue, there, yeah. <laughs> there were not really any rubber and glue moments involving the kids. 
No, there were not. No, there were not. I'm, I'm sorry. I should have been more clear on that when I provide you the instructions. But no, we we accept insults that <laughs> anybody says. We are we're equal opportunity haters. Okay. Our lovers, depending upon <laughs> how you look at it. We we take anybody's insults. Sure. Yeah. Do you have any just generic insults that you like? <laughs> in general, uh, in life. Fav- what's your favorite what's, what's insult your that you like? To? <laughs> yeah. Remember, family friendly. But what's your go-to? Yeah. yeah. Princess Leia from Star Wars. You came in that thing. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a good it's one. It's the slow burn. The slow burn. Yeah. The yeah. slow burn. The one yeah. you got to think about. Like, yeah, I did. Hey. hey. You know what? Our, Speaking of you came here in that thing, that actually bleeds right into my backup one on page six. Force four is going on their mission and team leaders grumping about, you know, the smart ship they're on. And it's just like, huh, to think Chimelia's best smart ship Friday is finally restored only to be taken by those earthling brats, leaving us to go on our most critical mission in this old bucket, this old bucket. They're in a smart ship with stealth capabilities. <laughs> yep. 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 And it can still think yep. and it can still speak. And we're going to see and that next just... issue. And, and, and they're bad mouthing the thing, keeping them from the void of space. Yeah, the void of space getting them on their mission and has cloaking to get them there. It's just like, man, that is is like, well, I see you've got last year's Maserati. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't know, get the twenty twenty one, whatever. If they were older, we could just call them doddering fools. Not unlike Murad does on page three of this book, <laughs> as she's speaking to the, yeah. the to Byrol. She's, she's you doddering yeah. fool. Which, mm-hmm. I, that, that's a good one. That, that takes me back to the good old days. It is a good old days. Doddering da- Fool. Doddering it's, a, it's a classic. It's that a is, classic. That's, that's, that's a classic. one that warms the old cockles. What's your top one, sir? My top one is on page two, and it is uh, the tectate. It's when Chimelia's, you know, their capacitors are flexing or not flexing, and everything's going on, and servos are being swamped, and this tectate's rubber and glue moment of pure gaslighting that is would be make 2020 proud of it. <laughs> Put populist management on red alert. 50% off all commercial goods. High attraction specials on Holovid. And issue the proper crisis reports regularly to carefully downplay this situation and keep everyone in track. I want this thing trivialized now. Yeah. um, I got got kind of shaky looking at that scene a couple times and like, (laughs) when was this written? And are we sure this isn't being said by people now? I yeah. know exactly. Yes, it is. Uh, it is parodying the present times in a prescient manner. It is kind of crazy reading this. Yeah, literally reading this, and it's like this seems very on the nose yes. for. Let's look at the clock today. today. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I just thought that was a great rubber and glue moment because it's insulting to people's intelligences it is just it is massively insulting to everybody involved and even to themselves to be like do you honestly think okay the sky is falling but you know i could get socks half off yeah we we we, we will just distract them with commercial goods and hope to god that they will vote us in for another term something along those lines it's just the aspect that yeah the the sky is on fire and but you get a free couch, yep. so don't look out the window because free couch day. We can we can all agree that these people are the worst. Yeah. But <laughs> speaking of which, stars in detention. Like Jerry said, this might be a little difficult because Power Pack kind of showed up in this book. Mm-hmm. But I am still charging all of us to figure out who is the best and who is the worst. And once again, this may help or may hinder. Power Pack in this instance can be 
any of the four kids, Franklin or Kofi, you yeah, got your six. choice. We got choices going on here. So who do we think is the worst? Who do we think is the best? Guest first. Do you want to start off? Uh, let us know. As always, we start with the worst kid, though. Uh, the worst. It could it could have gone to many of them. Yes, I, it's I, true. I went with Franklin just because it felt like he was an afterthought in every scene throughout the book and for a lot of the time when the kids are are going into battle franklin is behind on the ship so he can use his dream state it just felt out of place in this story i am 100 agreeing with you he stayed behind on friday to help he did nothing during the fight really he could have scoped out that the trigger he could have realized it wasn't hooked up he could have told power pack that no problem with the end of this issue. I'm like, uh, they he dropped out his most favorite character and just was not used. So I am right on board with the worst for Franklin. Fully on board with that. I agree. Uh, it, like you were saying, it kind of could have gone to anybody. I gave it to Alex just due to the fact that it was the return of Energy Junkie Alex. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair Where, enough. You know, it's just like, once again, Jack's like, yeah, dude, you can't... you. You've got to put it down. You can't keep doing this to yourself. This time, though, yeah, I was like, I was like in a, in a issue where nobody did anything. He did something, even if it was that. So I'm There's like, that. okay. So I'm saying, I'm saying, Alex, but Franklin is a great choice too. I think we could have honestly kind of picked anybody. It's a, nobody was really the worst kid. They just, they just were. Yeah, I agree with you, except one, that so, yeah. Franklin was the worst kid. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but who is the best kid? Who do we think is the best kid? And after doing that to you, Jeff, who do you have as the best kid? I'm going to say Julie. I agree with you. Why do you think that Julie was the best? Uh, in part, when they were trapped in Numinous's force field, uh, it was Julie coming up with... You know, originally, Alex came in, he's like, hey, get me down there, I'm going to uh, absorb some of the energy, see if I can weaken it. Past that, it was Julie giving the uh, the orders. It was like Julie yeah. going, okay, try and try and degrav onto it and do this. Okay, that's not working, try, try this. So Julie was calling the shots on that. Jerry, what do you think? I went with Julie as well. And just, oh, yeah. just towards the last couple of pages, she's the one... Everyone else seems to have given up. She's still thinking ahead. What can I still yes. do? What what can I bargain? What what can I say to her that will give us an extra hour or extra day or give yep. give the other team extra time to do whatever it takes to resolve the situation? She she seemed to be the only one thinking throughout mm -hmm. a lot of this. So fully agreed. Yeah, I totally agree on that. Yeah. It was her idea to save everyone at the end, and she figured out the transfer. That is not for yeah. nothing. That is something no. big right there. She's like, hey, this is how the, the healing worked. This is how Whitey did it. You know what? It's taken me 52 issues, but I think I might have an idea. So, yeah, bravo to Julie for that. Yeah, and the fact that she was able to stand her ground and be like, nope, I need these concessions. I need this. I need this. I need this. <laughs> and even though she was like... Yeah, she's lying to us. She's not going to give us those. But she, you know, she was asking for the million dollars and the helicopter and the private island when really all she wanted was the getaway car. Yeah. So, speaking of standing around, I got no real way to move into that. But we're going to talk about top grades. That's what we're going to do right here. <laughs> I had a better thing in my head, and it just all ran away for a second. So. On top grades, we like to evaluate the issue against all the rest of the series. For the top of the list, we have Inferno, Revenge of the Boogeyman. Issue number 42, that's at the top of the list. If we move on down to about 
15th place, we've got Power Pack number 17, and this is, that is Snark Attack. At spot number 30, we've got Missing, and that is Power Pack number 23, and that's where the kids are flown to Snark World, and James discovers they're missing. Dun, dun, dun. In 45th place, we have Seen the Light. That's with Rebecca, the young mutant who teleports towards light. And all the way at the bottom of our list, we have X Factor Annual number two, Man in the Moon. So guys, I'm going to stay near the bottom of the list here. Yeah, I'm feeling around that kind of 45 area. Oh, 45. That's actually up a little bit. Well, okay. You're thinking lower than that. 45 is seeing the light. Whew, I like yep. seeing the light a lot better than that. All right. Keep on dropping. Okay. It's it, it's not the bottom of the list. It is not X Factor. No. I don't think it's two. X Factor. It is not that. I personally would put issue 51 in at number 51. It puts it in the, the bottom 10 but it's at the top of the bottom 10. That's it. That's an interesting starting spot. I agree with you on that. Um, I'm just kind of like thinking about, I'm actually going down around near Cursed Earth, and that's number spot 55. This is Thor 363. This is where Thor and Beta Ray Bill use Katie as a weapon. And this feels a little bit like that because we've got a god using Power Pack as a weapon to further the plot. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I see that. Um, one has Walt Simonson's excellent Thor art, and the other one does not. (laughs) (laughs) Still, we're taking it in a power pack story. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Thor one was very much, hey, that's Beta Ray Bill. Thor's here. You're you're right. You're right. Eat our our hammers and shoot curse kind of thing. So then let's go up to above the Great Gugam Treasure Hunt. Let's put it above that. Here's my thought on that. Great Gugam Treasure Hunt. Problem is, we don't think the kids are written like the kids. Secrets, not our favorite story arc, but the kids are written like the kids, and they're actually part of that issue. How do you guys feel about that? I'm okay with that. Jerry? Words for me. All right. (laughs) Jerry's like, I got no horse in this race. What do I care? (laughs) It's it's not going to change in two two episodes or three episodes. (laughs) (laughs) We like to have a conversation. I mean, this actually, the, the best part about this, like everything else, this is a way for us to talk about these issues of Power Pack again after we've revisited them. That's the secret of the list. And that's the fun part about doing this. So we are going to go ahead and put that as our new number 54. And that is going to be between Power Pack number six and Power Pack 21. And that brings us to our final thoughts on our beverages. Gentlemen, Mm -hmm. raise the glass. We've done it. Almost. We're close. Yeah, close. Almost done. How did we like our beers this episode? Jerry, how'd you like that apple? I am all about Dave and Danny now. I'm going to be seeking out their product every chance I get. That's good praise. That is really good one you can find. Is this the first time that you've had that then? Yes. I I just heard about them earlier this year on another podcast. Some friends of ours do a show called Uncovering Kansas, and the lady travels around the state, interviews people, talks about events or things going on, or this most recent episode was dealing, how does a, a town like Pittsburgh, Kansas deal with the, the COVID situation, things like that. So about a year ago on the, on the show, she interviewed the owners of this brewery, Dave and Danny, and it was something that it's been on my radar to, to try out. And we're in the fall weather. I'm thinking the apple ciders and it's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna seek it out. And so I was quite happy to find nice. it. I'm very happy to know that we could help you uh-huh. finally reach out to that cider you've yeah. been wanting to try. I've been wanting ciders again lately. I've been they've been on my mind. They really have been. I'm kinda like, oh, I could have an angry orchard with some uh 
Tennessee honey in it. Mm, I, I that may, sounds good. I may have to drop some off in your doorstep. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right, Jeff. How about mm-hmm. the whoopity whoop? Whoop, whoop. Uh, I enjoy it. I don't like seeing the big sediment layer at the bottom yeah. every time I sip up because I'm like, yeah, I don't want that in my mouth. Yeah, uh, I, I can agree with you on that. So not a huge fan of the mass sediment layer at the bottom because you know it's a floating raft of whatever. It's still it is a pleasant beer. It is yeah. a very enjoyable to drink. I think I prefer my Widmere Hefeweizen better. I like it. It it it's it, it's pleasant. It's good. Yeah, and yeah, you know, part of it is the big you know growing up. You know, it's. It's the bottle that I grew up with, and also the hometown kind of feel, kind of thing. But uh, yeah, your, your parents, no, this your is parents were nice. not the best parents in the world because they they were instead of giving you a bottle of milk, they gave you a bottle of Hefeweizen. But hey, yeah, it's what got me to the ranks I am today. Yeah, you grew up in the Pacific Northwest. That's the way it rolls. Well, yeah. <laughs> how many Powerballs would you give Whoopity Whoop by Wild Bride Brewing? I am going to give it a solid four. I was thinking four and a half, but. Uh, Upon reflection, I'm I'm rolling a four. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much on board with you on that one. I think it is it's solid. A couple of hits against it, but you can do no wrong with this beer. Uh, take the yeah. as a good solid four. If you yeah. see this out in the wild, hunt it down, bring out your lemon gun, and take a shot at whoopity whoop hefeweizen. You will not be disappointed with that. It's good. I enjoy it. And you know what else I really enjoy? What? Kids perspective. Really? Yeah, it, it's true. And that is where you, Rick, my co-host, Me? talk to your daughter, you, talk to your daughter, Carrie, who is a 10-year-old, about the issue at hand. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you today? Good, and you? Doing okay, doing okay. Just a little lazy bit of a Saturday before I do some other recording. But that's none of your concern. We are here to talk about this issue. Right? Right. You just finished reading it. What do you think? We're seeing a teensy bit more of Friday. Yeah. Teensy bit more of, of Franklin. Yeah. And also this big, ginormous character called N- Numinous? Numinous. Numinous. What do you think of Numinous? I kind of like her. She said something about her being part of miracles and stuff. Yeah, that's true. Do you recognize her at all? Not really. I don't know if I've ever shown you any movies with the actress Whoopi Goldberg, but that's who that character is based upon. Oh, and I read that one book. That's right. And I read that one book that was by Whoopi Goldberg. What was that called? Alice. Did you like that book? I like that book, too. Well, I bought that book just to read for this issue because I recognize Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, she's an actress that was really popular in movies back in the 80s and early 90s. Now she's on TV and she does a TV show called The View with some other people. Okay. She might not be as recognizable to you, but she was recognizable to me as a kid. But as far as the character goes, the celestial character, what did you think of her? You said you liked her, right? Yeah. What did she do for the kids? She told them, like, that they need to get back to Camellia. Why did they need to do that? Because the Camellia's planet was being destroyed. Right. So she did that so that they could go back and save them, right? Yeah. But they kind of went to the Snarks instead. Well, they went to the Snarks to stop the Snarks from destroying the planet, right? Right. And how did that go? Not so well. (laughs) They didn't do good, did they? Nope. So what's going on with them now? What happened at the end of the book? 
Julie said, okay, well, we'll tell you the secret and we'll give you these powers. But she kind of had some rules like letting Kofi go and the Force 4 go and letting them escape and never destroying Earth and Camellia. Maru probably thought this was a lot, a lot of hard work. (laughs) Do you think she's going to do any of it? No, she said that she, well, she kind of is going to do something. Just she's only going to let Force 4 and Kofi go, and then the rest she'll just be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it for sure. Not. (laughs) So she's going to go back on her word, isn't she? Yeah. She's pretty horrible, isn't she? Yeah, I thought I thought they actually kind of, I thought the Snarks and Power Pack started to do a little bonding, but uh, guess not. No, not so much. Not not these Snarks. These are these are Maraud Snarks. Overall, did you like the book or not? I kind of liked it. I mean, I met a new character. Yes, you did, and you liked that new character, right? Yeah. Okay. What about the end of the book? Do you think that uh, Power Pack? Gave in too easily to Murad at the end? Probably a teensy bit. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to say about the book then? No. All right. Thank you very much for your time. Welcome. I love you. Love you too. <laughs> Good point, Gary. Good point. Now it is time for shouting out! We'd like to recognize those listeners who take the time to write in and leave us a review. This is for episode 65. Power pack number 59. Al Sedano and the Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Andrew Burns, who sent us an interesting story. This has gone around the internet a little bit. It's about the famous Italian diver Enzo Malarco, who was diving off the Sea of Syracuse with his daughter. And they saw a dolphin, and the dolphin didn't want to play with them, but he was trying to express something. And so the diver dove down with the animal, with the dolphin, and about 12 meters, they found another dolphin trapped in a net. Enzo asked his daughter to grab some diving knives and two of them managed to free the dolphin and the dolphin came up and gave him almost a human cry as described by Enzo and this released dolphin you know that they helped to surface they found out that they were, that she was pregnant so the male circled them stopped in front of them they kind of gave this gesture of gratitude like a kiss and then swam off and Enzo uh, gave this speech and he's saying until man learns to respect and speak to the animal world he can never know his true role on Earth. So Andrew wanted to share this story. It's kind of a cool little story, especially matches up with our this episode, which is talking about dolphins. Chuck Gears, Clinton Robinson, and the Coffee and Comics podcast. Ed209, who said, references to Bill Murray, urban legends, fantastic way to start. Green Lantern HG. Hal Jordan. The Hammer Strikes. Hoover Jeremiah and the Four Million Years Later podcast. Jeffrey Lowe. Limax7, who said, the dolphins will rise again. Marco Rogers. Max Traver. Power Pack Nation, who reminds us that Power Pack will be on sale in November. Very good reminder. Professor Frenzy. Rad Adventures. With Ruth Sutherland. Sean Ross and the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Somewhat abnormal. Tim Price, the podcrasher, who has a new show on the Bad Girl Huntress podcast called The Outsiders. Check it out. Trekker Talk. Waffles, who said, awesome, great job, fellas. And Ward Hiltary. Be sure to check out the other shows that we're on. Our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And my show, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabouts, on the Longbox Crusade Podcast. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. 
Jerry, could you tell all of the fine listeners out there where they can find you on the intranets? Yes. As we've referenced earlier in the show, myself, Colin Stapleton, John Holloway, we do the worst comic podcasts ever. We get together once a week and talk comics, movies, TV shows, all the nerdy stuff that our wives don't want to hear us talk about anymore. So uh, some people have poker night. Some people have book club night. We've got podcast night. Shows come up every Wednesday morning, new comic book day for the most part. So anywhere that you find Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, you can find Worst Comic Podcasts Ever. On the webs, go look for wcpever.com, and that's our Twitter handle and our Instagram handle, Facebook, yada, yada, yada. You know, you're smart enough to know how to find a podcast by now. You really don't need me telling you how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And they are a great show, and they're a great group of guys. Jeff and Merck presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of live studio audience consisting of one Heroclix beast in Portland, Oregon, and Kansas City, Kansas. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Merck present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Merck present, our email address, Jeff and Merck present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Merck present, .wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel at Jeff and Merck present. And if you'd like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. My wife, Lisa, and my kids, John and Zoe. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is One-Eyed Maestro. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution for Corner License. Well, that's something that we can uh, keep in mind for the future when we reboot the series. Yeah. Yes, yes, for the next go-around. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's going to be just our pon- our podcast scheme is just, we'll just keep doing it over and over, and maybe people won't know that they're hearing the same stuff again. Yeah. We should get funnier. That's the that's the theory behind that. Shrez! Ah, that was a horrible French accent. She talks them a second time. That was even worse. Was still Excellent. bad. <laughs> Try the third. The third time is always a winner. She taunts them a second time. Oh, I love the enthusiasm on that. Thank you. I tried my Man, best. That just makes me want to go dance or something. I loved it. Shrez. Kofi teleports all six of them into space, and they start by trying to extra. Kofi teleport. Kofi teleports all six of them into space, and they start trying to extra try extricate 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 we type these words and then it's like oh we have to say them we're idiots here we go words hard gonna get it Shrez. fire main melts a tray i know we wrote it together oh. my feeling <laughs> the one feeling i have <laughs> Shrez. <laughs> blah 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 it's dramatic readings like this that are gonna win us a potty or whatever the equivalent thing is. I don't know. <laughs> it's all about the bathrooms. It's all about the right. bathrooms. Potty. Podcast award. I made it up right now. We'll win it first. Well, we probably won't, even if I invented it. Shrez. Why did they give us bowls with water in them? We don't use that.
lap, lap, lap. Floor. Don't tempt me. 